Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Today, I'm having a spirited conversation with Georgie Wolfe. You've heard her on the show before because she's 68 different kinds of awesome. And when I say I'm having a conversation with Georgie, what I really mean is Georgie is having a conversation with me. Uh, she recorded this episode for her podcast, which is called The Art of the Hookup. Uh, I'll tell you a little more about that at the end of the show. We started out with the topic of shame, as in the shame that goes on in relation to sex and sexuality. But here's the thing, if you think this topic doesn't apply to you, you're almost certainly wrong. Shame is almost everywhere and it becomes an embedded part of all of our sexualities. We internalise the shame. It influences how we approach other people, how they approach us, how we relate to our bodies and our pleasure, and it has implications for our mental health. Uh, and huge implications too for our relationships. Uh, But the chat we're about to share is anything but doom and gloom. There's as much here in the way of solutions as there is about the problem itself. So buckle up, get a cup of tea, and listen to Georgie and I getting really excited about shame. Hello again, Roger. Hey, Georgie. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you back. It's been quite a long time since we last did a podcast together and I miss it. (laughs) Yeah, by our standards. We're like regulars on each other's shows. I love it. (laughs) Right. It's pretty good. And it's nice to to be podcasting with someone where we know, you know, we know the vibe and we can get in the zone really easy. So this is cool. I've been looking forward to this. Mm. Um, Like, may I say while we're here, I love that you are doing this topic. Like, I think that this topic, I don't know where exactly we're going to go with it, but I think it speaks to so much about what's going on in the world and so much of the stuff that I know that you and I are, like, Mm. trying to resolve and solve. It's like just, like, so super relevant. This is our shit, right? And to be honest, it's a bit of a brave topic because I have been pretty down given um, what's going on around the world at the moment. It's been a bit depressing. Um, So it might maybe Mm. seem like a hard time to talk about shame, but I actually reckon this is the perfect time. Like when we're already feeling down, it's really easy for this like shitty stuff to just sneak up on us. So maybe this is a good thing for us to talk about. But before we start getting into it, um, for anyone that hasn't caught our previous podcast together, could you tell us just like a really brief intro about um, who you are and what you do? Yeah, great. Thanks. Uh, So, yeah, I... I'm a sex educator and I guess you'd also say a sort of a relationship educator if that's a thing. Uh, I mostly see myself as providing the sex education and relationship education uh, that most of us miss out on uh, at some somehow during during life and schooling and growing up and whatever mm. else. Oh, so, yeah, I, I run workshops, uh, a bunch of other resources. I run a podcast and, uh, yeah, most of it's around that stuff. Yeah, awesome. So this is, uh, this is kind of right in your wheelhouse, so to speak. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird to have such a smile on my face talking about shame, but um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not really funny, but we'll get to that. I guess the reason that <laughs> the reason that I've been thinking about this a lot is that I was kind of like thinking about it the other day and I realized that, you know, when I was really young and I started hooking up and started experimenting with sex and stuff, I felt really like ashamed for not knowing anything and I felt like whenever I screwed up that it was all my fault because I was inexperienced and I took the blame for a whole lot of stuff that I shouldn't. And then now that I'm like 
actually quite experienced at sex, experienced at hooking up, and I teach this stuff for a living, you know, and now when I screw up, I feel ashamed because um, I should have known better or I feel ashamed because I'm clearly, like, slutty or, like, too out there or too in people's faces. And I was thinking, like, you can't bloody win. Like, you either don't know enough or you know too much or there's something wrong with you or you've done something wrong. Like, it, it never seems to let up. So this whole shame thing, we're just, it seems really hard to escape. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry that's, that that's your experience. And it makes so much sense. It's almost like there's no Goldilocks zone. Uh, everyone, you're either having like too little sex or you don't know enough or you're having too much and you know too much. There's like, there's no sweet spot in the middle where the world comes to you and says, Oh my God, what you were doing with sex and the way you do it, that is awesome. You should have so yes. much pride. We never get the, you're, you're doing sex in a good way now and you get to feel good about yourself. Like it always seems like there's, uh, there's something wrong with sex that we just can't escape and we need to feel bad about it. And I think that's bullshit, but it's still there, even though I know that's bullshit. I'm sort of curious what your experience is like. Like, is this a thing for you? Is it a thing for everyone? Is it just me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think it's just you. Um, oh, I would. God. I would slightly chuck a caveat in. Uh, I think you used the word never, like you never get a moment where you get affirmation or positivity. I wouldn't mm-hmm. quite say it's never, yeah, but I would say call. it's it's uncommon and especially in all of the mainstream forums, it's very uncommon. But It's often, but not always, because sometimes we do yeah. have those experiences where we feel good about ourselves and we feel validated and we feel um, help, like we have a healthy sex life, all that stuff. Yeah, and I think you can create that atmosphere with a partner or even with a small community of people around you. But, um, yeah, you've got to, like, really work at that. You're, you're doing a lot of activism there. It's not our default position. Like, the default switch it, when it comes to sex is set to shame. Do you feel like that's the case? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yep, I think that's really true. Yeah. And um, yeah, you say like, have I, um, yeah, like I would say I have tons of shame, either like I have shame or I've been, had had shame put on me. Like it does, it does feel like oh. for almost everything. And again, like that's not true. I, I would say for a bunch of stuff, but I would say particularly pertinent for me is any time where I haven't been perfect with someone. So mm. Uh, like where I've done something not quite right or when I've misread a situation or like back mm-hmm. in the day. I wouldn't say I was like a um, – I, I, I didn't have a great relationship with when I was going to orgasm and so mm-hmm. like uh, I used to have uh, a bunch of shame around that. And, yeah, oh, like okay. you, I've had partners shame me for being too sexual. I've had sometimes the same partner shame me for being not sexual enough. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ, come another on. Another day. Um, it's like having a think, bad boss. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so like having a bad boss. <laughs> it's like make up your um, mind. Am I too much of a slut? Am I not enough of a slut? Like, for fuck's sake, yeah, can we just have yeah. a nice common standard and stick to it? But often it doesn't go that way, right? It's very yeah, emotional. Yeah, It's not yeah, logical. Yeah. yeah, no, totally, totally. And people are just like shooting from the emotional hip. They're not like it's not a carefully considered thing. But yeah, um, I also get a, a, like poly shaming. So anyone that doesn't know much oh. about polyamory. Tell uh, us about polyamory just in case. Well, everyone understands like the concept of affairs and cheating. And most people mm-hmm. that don't know about the nuances of poly shaming just assume that um, everyone's – that. Hmm, 
I'll speak about it in the first person, particularly because I'm like kind of an old white guy that's sort of um, in the field of sexuality. If you don't know about mm-hmm. poly, it just looks like I'm being a womanizer or something like that because you might only see um, the partners of mine who are female presenting. Right, um, Roger and their six girlfriends or whatever. And there's a lot like of judgment around how you're treating <laughs> yeah. the women in your life, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's an assumption that I'm stealing from them or ripping them off or being dishonest. And, but that's... Um, Being a womanizer. Yeah, that sort of thing, yeah. And I think anyone that's in polyamory, like whatever their gender and age and position is, there's, there's a sense that they are cheating on someone or ripping someone off or something like that. Someone's losing out, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's hard to imagine how ethical and good it can feel. And also, like... Uh, just like lastly to chuck in another, um, I also feel like I've been sort of shunned by the, um, I was going to say the entire psychology movement, but again, that's an exaggeration. Ah, don't speak in absolutes though. <laughs> just, just says, oh, I'm going to use your yeah. own words yeah. against you. I wonder, like, like, like just going meta on that for a second, because you and I have both used absolutes quite a few times in this conversation already. Immediately. It started coming up, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, in counselling or psychology, if someone is using absolutes, it often just means that their trauma is quite close to the surface. So I wonder if you and I, you know, despite generally having our acts somewhat together, we've actually got quite a lot of trauma around this whole shaming thing. Fuck yes. And this is the thing that I feel about shame, that that, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself. Like, hell yeah, I've been to therapy. I've um, I've learned to do sex better. I've learned to do consent better and all these good things. But it doesn't erase our sex negativity and our sex shame. Like, I kind of feel like that shit kind of sticks yeah. maybe for the rest of our lives and it's a thing that we're going to have to wrestle with. And, I, like, I know yeah. what you mean because when you say absolutes, when we talk about this stuff, even in the generalities, even without talking about a specific thing I'm ashamed about, I can feel that sort of feelings of persecution and defensiveness yes. and anger and all that stuff coming up, you know? Yes, and, and you and I, in response to sex shaming, we have not decided to just leave that whole topic alone and disappear from it, which is what a lot of people do. We've decided in our personal lives to heavily lean into it. Not only oh. that, we've made it our careers for God's sake. So every day oh, we're kind yeah. of going up going up against sex shame and doing battle with it and trying to do something better with it. So it's no wonder if we have a little bit of like pain close to the surface. I'm so sorry for us. <laughs> it's a bit like those people that, that, that um, extol the virtues of swimming in ice-cold water in the middle of winter. You know, just jump in and you'll have that discomfort for a while and then it'll be good and it's a bit like that. Like we know that it's uncomfortable, right, and we just decide to jump on in anyway and then there's that, that, that bit of suffering <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I guess to put a silver lining around it, there's there's some benefit in having decided to do that and getting a lot of benefit from it. But yeah, no, it mm. really is like that. I love your example. Yeah, gotta um, jump on in and get a bit of get through the discomfort to get to the good stuff. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, work on your shit, work on your shame. I love it. Yeah. Um, and just finishing up on the on the psychology movement, um, like once mm. I started moving into the world of kink, like the the psychology movement just thinks that that's a bunch of uh, sexually damaged people re-traumatizing themselves. Right. And of course, polyamory is just sex obsession gone mad, and don't even and so get on me and started so on sex work. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> things that some psychologists oh. think about why why people choose to do sex work. I just yeah. Can I can I just say uh, as someone that has been on the inside of the way that psychologists and counselors talk, some of it just mm-hmm. makes my head explode. It's like really? some of it is so, some of it is spectacular. Some of that community are just incredible, and they know more about say sex work than we do. But um, like some people have just got the most backward Neanderthal uninformed ideas and they're the ones that are sex shaming us 
it kind of sounds like um, shame is a thing and it's a thing for all human <laughs> beings no matter what you do so that even if you're some sort of sex professional or some sort of psychologist, we should know better. We just don't because our shame just follows us everywhere like a, you know, like a bad smell, you know, and gets into everything we do even when we're trying to be objective. It just like sneaks up, you know. Yeah, yeah, so true. Um, and then yeah, that comes so out like, I've, yeah, you talk to psychologists that get it wrong or, you know, sex workers that are sex negative or kink people that, uh, you know, that aren't doing things the way that they should. Yeah, yeah. And it all happens. And I guess like while we're here having this part of the conversation, um, those of you that are listening, if you're into sexuality, it is so important to get a counsellor or a psychologist who is sex positive and aware mm. of the sorts of uh, styles or types of sex that you're interested in. Otherwise, uh, there's a really good chance that they will just add to your discomfort and shame and not help you with that yeah. particular issue. I, you need I know to some find people- the right person. Yeah, you really do. And it's hard. And I know some people who have got excellent counsellors for everything else in their life, but they don't talk about their sexual stuff with them. And they might even have like a second counsellor or something on the side. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like having an affair um, <laughs> to just to just work on sexuality <laughs> stuff with. <laughs> so, seeing an extra counsellor on the side and not mentioning your main one because you don't yeah. want to shame them for being se- sex negative. <laughs> It's a special skill. And on the other hand, I've had some amazing therapists who didn't know the slightest thing about sex work or polyamory or kink, but when I disclosed, like when I talked about that stuff, went, oh, okay, well, you know, I've never really, um, you know, had a client that did that stuff before, but look, let's just treat it the same way that we treat the rest of your life. And that's really cool. So that can happen too. And a good therapist should be robust enough that they don't bring in their preconceptions around what sex is meant to be like. They should look at you and the way you present in the session and they should be able to work out, well, is this working for you or not working for you? And is the thing here that you need more freedom to get into this even further or is it causing you problems and we need to pull out? A good therapist should be aware that they have absolutely no idea what's going on and they should be reading your signals. But you can tell pretty easily, for me anyway, because if I walk into a session with a new therapist and immediately say, I'm a sex worker, and then look at their face, and if there is shame or preconceptions or if they're getting a personal feeling about that that shouldn't be there, you can see it come up straight away in their reaction. Even if they say nothing at all, even if they don't know what to say, I can see them having that fear or shame or weirdness coming up and then you you know that it's there and then you know which kind of brings me to my next question like i'm roger butler and in addition to producing this podcast and running curious creatures i also offer counseling via video and in person in melbourne australia We all need help from time to time, and even when we're travelling well, most of us still have a desire to get to know ourselves better, including where we stand in relation to the world and how we relate to other people. There's an assumption that we should somehow already be great at life, despite not generally being given all of the necessary skills, and I think that finding the right counsellor can go a long way towards helping us to learn those skills. I offer counselling in a variety of areas for singles and those in relationships and with obvious specialisations in the things you hear me talking about on this podcast. To find out more, check out counselling.curiouscreatures.biz or check the show notes. And now back to the podcast. 
because you work, you're a sex educator, you run workshops, you work closely with people. What does what does that what does shame look like coming up? What does it feel like coming up? And what does it look like coming up with the people you work with? How do you know when it's happening? How do we know when it's happening to us? Mm, um, you, I can, yeah, I can think of a, a few things on that. Um, one is, I think, uh, withdrawing from one's sexuality and sexual interests is a really normal response to shame. So mm. rather than doing battle with all of that, all of those demons and all of those people and, and putting yourself in the firing line, uh, I think a lot of people just withdraw from their sexuality. Um, so sad. So sad. Yeah, so sad. So I think a lot of people that identify as having, say, low libido or, you know what, I'm just not so much interested in that. You know what, I don't even know that I need a partner. I mean, that's really true for some I'm people. Fine. I, lo- I love asexuality and I love people who uh, decide that their relationship with themselves is the only one they actually really need. Um, and it's a valid a lot- choice, right? Yeah, totally, totally. But for a lot of people uh, who would like more of those things, um, then, yeah, shame could be um, what's behind their withdrawal. Um, I think also, like, sorry, I was going to go on to my second thought there. Did you want to? Yes. Oh, I was just going to say it sounds like sometimes shame isn't doesn't look like shame. It's disguised as I just have no interest in talking about this or I suddenly got yeah. bored maybe, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Um, I think um, the second presentation or like the second thing I see uh, is a partner who shames you for your interests and thoughts and desires and sexuality is probably dealing with the history of their own shame. Like Mm. most of us are just um, repeating the behaviours we've been brought up with. So if someone has been taught that sexuality sort of relates to shame, you know, that's why it's been taught to them, then that's the behaviour they'll play out with other people. Often quite unconsciously. So like the person oh, totally, turns around totally. and goes, you're a slut for having sex with more than three people. They don't yeah. even realise that they're, they're not like, I'm going to sex shame this person. It's going to be great. They're just having a reaction, right? They just yeah, open yeah, their yeah. mouth and that stuff comes out. Yeah, and later that day they might remember a time when they were shamed of having sex with three people. They won't mm-hmm. link the, dro- the the dots. That don't, you know, most of us w- won't realise that we're reacting from that previous hurt right? when we say something and- like you're a slut. And let me just say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with having sex with three people at the same time, if that's what we're talking about. And there's also nothing wrong with having sex with more than three people in your entire life. I wasn't sure which scenario we were discussing, but they're both cool. (laughs) I just really agree with you. There is nothing wrong with having sex with 30 people at a time. That's so true. Oh, except, you know, you really need a lot of, that's that's industrial quantities of lube, Rog. Yeah, it really is, and uh, safer sex practice. But that's a whole other episode. (laughs) Right. Um, But you made a really good point, and that is that, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that it is, it's a very much an unconscious reaction and a vicious circle. You know, we pass it on from one person to the next and then the next person takes it out on the next person, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like my, my third point like leads on from that. Um, I th- When I think about bad sexual behaviour, so inappropriate sexual behaviour, unethical behaviour, non-consensual behaviour and everything else like that, I think that's more likely to be coming from someone that's dealing with a lot of shame rather than a lot of pride. And I'm going to say almost in this case, like Mm. pride and shame are almost at the other end of the scale. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like mathematically or psychologically true, but bear with me for a second. I Mm -hmm. think 
if you have a lot of pride about yourself and your sexuality, that just sort of extends to having a lot of pride and care for the sexuality of the people around you. So I think yeah. if you've been treated well, you're much more likely to treat other people well. And uh, let's distinguish between pride and bragging because yeah, pride yeah. means going, I'm okay with myself. And like you said, that often means being okay with the people around you too. Bragging tends to look more like, look at me, I'm great, I do everything right, I'm really awesome and all these other people are shit. And that to me says insecurity, insecurity sorry, which often has shame around yeah. it too. So there's a difference between taking pride in yourself and feeling confident in yourself and feeling the need to like tell everyone about how great yeah. you are because to me that's sometimes a bit suspect. Yeah, totally, totally. No, I, I totally agree with that difference. Um, I, th- I think um, um, when you have pride, it's a simple thing. It's not something you have to like scream from the mountaintops and boast about and brag about. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's not defensive. It's just yeah. feeling feeling good in yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard, I've heard some people advance the idea even that um, – on this, this is sort of coming at it from a psychological perspective. Uh, this is definitely not a perspective that applies to all situations. But in terms of uh, someone that's had a whole lot of shame and bad experiences in relation to their own sexuality, continuing to play out that bad behaviour has the effect of reinforcing um, that shame and that negativity for themselves, which although mm. it's nothing we would want, the nature of human psychology is that we tend to repeat patterns and keep reinforcing yeah. the dynamics that we're familiar with. Horrible. And get stuck in them. And we choose yeah. to hang out with people that have the same values and so then they'll be shaming us for our sexual behaviour and we shaming them. <laughs> and you see it all the time. Like you watch any sitcom where yeah. some chick has to do the walk of shame the next day and everyone's like, oh, and then someone else does it and then they all turn on her and go, oh, aren't you a bad person? And it just continues like everyone serves yeah. it up, you know. Yeah, yeah, it goes round, it goes round, it goes round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one really <laughs> deals with the misery that that causes. Well, again, that's an absolute, but uh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Again, see, just, it feels really intense. Like this is an intense topic because it's just reminding me of all the times that I was ever shamed, but worse, yeah. almost worse are the times that I did it to myself because it's one thing to have uh, someone go, you're a slut or you're a nympho or you're, you're gross, and that's nasty and horrible and it sticks with you, but the worst times are when nothing was wrong and I should have had a great time and it should have been amazing but I came away thinking, am I a bad person? And that's just, well, you know, these these moments where we have these amazing sexual experiences that should be a joy in our lives, should be awesome. Um, I feel yeah. like sometimes it just sucks the joy out. We do it ourselves. Our brains do it to yeah. us, you know. Yeah, we internalise the shame. Um, if we think about this in terms of critical voices, if you've been around someone that criticises you over and over for something, you eventually internalise that voice and you become very adept at... Um, uh, representing that voice in your own head, even if no one in the outside world is actually <clears throat> saying it or stating it or even thinking it. Uh, so it oh. stays with you a long time after the event. So, so if, for yeah. example, that person was, say, your parents for instance, or your teachers yeah. when you were very young and for they instance. really hammered that in, for instance, yep. not always the yep. case, but often. Not always the case, um, yep, often. <laughs> there and, was that one time. You, that, one, that one time at band camp. But, yes, <laughs> Like, uh, and then all this, that stuff is in there, right? And, oh, you're off. The pattern is set at that point. And imagine having that, like you're talking about a vicious circle that we keep, we get yeah. entrenched in our, you know, behaviour. Imagine starting so young and then just continuing that pattern on. Like, that's a hard habit to break, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awfully hard. Uh, and, like, I love that you mentioned um, 
parents and teachers as good sources of shame. Uh, maybe, I don't know if um, you've ever bumped into any religious institutions anywhere ever because <laughs> they're often to. very good at supplying a rich source of shame. Um, governments, just culture, media, uh, so media. Thick, and rich, thick and rich soup. There's a lot of stuff and it all just comes straight through. The one for me that's really done it for me, well, now we're just devolving into rants, but, you know, with this whole pandemic thing, right? I've heard about it. There's been very little good information on how to have sex safely during a pandemic. Now, especially yeah. in Australia, like, you know, the government talks about what you should do with your family, but nobody talks about single people. Nobody talks about people hooking up. Yep. Um, yep. And the, the, bit, the small bits of information that are available are very, very clinical and not at all relatable. And it's just like we're afraid to even talk about it. Like, um, you know, it's it's only okay to talk about relationships in the context of families. It's not okay to acknowledge that people might need to have sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's such a that's such a salient example. Uh, and in particular, uh, like you know, I don't know where the listener is around the world, but um, we had an experience uh, where I'm based in Melbourne, where, where when we were going into one of the increased phases of lockdown uh, and we were basically uh, needing to isolate within the house that we were living in, um, that also meant just for a couple of days because uh, government policy was all built around the idea that you're basically living with your family. Um, right. It was also meant that no, you like you can't you can't leave the house for any other reason. So for a couple of days mm. there, it was illegal to go and see a partner because they took a while a, to fix that. They did. It was a couple of days, and um, for mm -hmm. um, from a mainstream perspective, they were just looking. You could tell that they were looking at people that say don't live with their partner, or people who maybe have like a couple of partners and who are very careful about how they handle the infection risks of all that. Mm -hmm. um, they were looking at that as just like you know young people misbehaving and just wanting to like head out and date and hook up and obviously putting that in the category of something that would be really wrong. And it wasn't until mm. someone like a reporter uh, followed up with a question a couple of days later to say, so are you saying that a husband and a wife that don't live together can't see each other? You're and kidding. of course suddenly the policy just straight away changed and thank <gasps> God they got the thank God they got the language a little better. They said what? yes you can leave to uh, if you don't live with your partner. You can go and visit partners and hilariously they used plural. I don't think they meant polyamory. It was just the structure of no, the no, language. No, no, they weren't thinking that far ahead. No, they, they really <laughs> weren't. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just amazing how, yeah, yeah, central the family model is and how slut-shamed yeah. the rest of us are. Yeah. And isn't it amazing that the only way that that got through to them was when someone framed it as a husband and wife not living together? Like, God forbid someone should get up in the middle of a press conference and say to Dan Andrews, who's our premier, oh, could you talk, can we talk about sex now? Because it's kind of important. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the thing that would fly, right? But it, yeah, is, no, it totally. is important. And the reason we totally. don't see it as important is this shame thing, right? Yeah, and if you look at all the other things that governments everywhere are trying to get back on track as quickly as they can, it's things like, well, we need that local sports ball team to be able to happen oh, again fuck. because that's... What about an my fucking the ball? Because what about the ball yeah. <laughs> involved in? How can we get yeah, that back what on track? What about that local team that you like to tackle with? <laughs> um, what about my so local like, team, team play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I want to get the team together and do some, yeah. Maybe you want to, uh, you want to uh, kick, kick some goals? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't come up with a decent euphemism. I was going to say get some balls in holes or something, but that's not quite right. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. 
I'm thinking about football. Maybe you just want to get like 13 guys together in short shorts and sweaty. <laughs> Look, maybe um, anyway. I just want to fuck a football team, all right? There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. And I think that we should get our shit together <laughs> and work out how we can safely do this What during the coronavirus epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's been like, yeah, su- such a push for stuff like that and su- such a push for like sit down dining. So of course that's a right. You should be able to do that. Um, but things that have got comparable levels of risk, like, you know, various forms of sex, uh, there's no way they're going to get up on the agenda. So yeah, you're, great example. You're, you're so, the way you phrase that is so great because I was just, just going to scream, but my <laughs> vagina, like I don't want to eat out. I just want to eat in. <laughs> but you're so right. Like why is sex always the bottom of the fucking list when it comes to priority? is when it's a really basic human need and the reason is shame. It's not because we don't know that sex is a basic human need. Like we all get got the memo on that one, right? It's because we're too ashamed to talk about it. I can did hear you, you say that, away. Did you say that your vagina needs to dine out and eat in? Why aren't we talking no, no, about I'm, that? That's I'm, what I thought that was great. Dine in. <laughs> <laughs> is it eating out or eating in? I'm confused now or is it both? <laughs> Oh, I'm laughing too much. I think you need to focus the conversation. <laughs> I'm having too much fun with shame. <laughs> I think it's it's like it's called eating someone out, but then it's also called staying home for dessert. <laughs> Inverted commas. I don't even know. The point is we should be yeah. doing this, stuff, uh, you know, safely and we need yeah. that, that info. <laughs> yeah, and and like, yeah, and and like on that, um, can I just um, in in case someone's listening and it does sound like we're standing for the right to just like randomly head out and hook up and oh, break no. curfew and everything oh, no. else. That we're is not the yeah, that is not the layer at which the conversation is happening amongst any of the sex positive <laughs> um, polyamorous communities I'm involved with. Uh, it's all like very careful of like, wow, yeah. am I, do I need to drop down to one partner? Right, looks like I do, or maybe no partners. Okay, mm. if that's what I need to do for my country, then that's what I'm going to do for my country <laughs> and we'll get back to my cunt later. <laughs> my um, my local swingers group have stopped meeting in person <laughs> and now they're running Zoom um, like remote workout classes together to do gym oh. stuff together. It's just oh. so wholesome and lovely. Wow, nice. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, we're handling this, but to do that we need good information. I guess, like, this is this is a good point, right? It's a, shame isn't just about feeling bad because feeling bad sucks and, like, why would you want to feel bad? But it also yep. just kind of fucks shit up. Like, it stops us from thinking about the stuff we want to think about. It stops us from having the conversations we need to have with our yeah. partners and occasionally with our premier because yep. everyone's <laughs> too embarrassed. Yeah, it's um, it's funny shame. Like like again, drawing from the psychology world, it's pretty much universally acknowledged that shame is an impossible learning ground. Uh, like that old sort of military model of um, beating your cadets into submission and screaming at them and abusing them and telling them uh, like what, what worthless people they are. That, that's basically mm. a shaming process. It's universally acknowledged that it doesn't work. Like it's good for nothing. Right. If you're wanting someone to change their behaviours for whatever reason, um, it it just doesn't work. So, oh, yeah. Fear Silly. and shame sound like good motivators, but they're not good motivators. They just make people freeze up and repeat bad behaviour, right? Yeah, yeah. They make people angry. They make people resentful. They make people want to do the thing you're telling them not to do just to get you back. Defensive, yeah. Mm. Is it worth at this point maybe talking about 
sex negativity? Because I kind of feel like sometimes when we talk about this stuff, we've been talking about shame and sometimes we've been talking about sex negativity and sometimes yeah. I'm not actually sure. Like is there a difference? What's what, How does sex negativity compare to shame and how closely are they related? Um, like can I um, zoom out a little bit uh, for that one, mm. which is to say like what is shame? I'm actually, it's a very hard one to describe, but I think I can have a go at why does it exist? Like why is it a part of the human makeup, the human psychology? Yeah. I think over the course of time, a, a, a community or a group of people or a culture or a species that evolves to have an element of shame is, it's, a, it's potentially a useful element. Like it's how you keep community and tribe together. It's how you keep people um, with an ethical set of values or something like that. Keep people um, in line. Keep people in line. It's yeah. um, and, and so there, there is a place for it. Like, like we're talking about how horrible it is when it's linked to sex negativity. But when we link it to say something like pedophilia or when we link it to something like say stealing from your neighbours, uh, yep. you can see how we use a sense of um, the, the risk of being shamed by community. Like it has some kind of motivating factor, however like bad it is in practice. So I think it's, it's potentially yeah. an interesting part of what it is to be human. But where it gets this really is... problematic is when it's tied to something like all sexual behaviour. And so everyone that's into sex is shamed for their sex. Well, we're applying it to the wrong stuff, right? Like yeah. shame is useful sometimes. And I'm reminded of the phrase, ostracism is death, which sounds a bit grim, but it's basically yeah. the principle yeah. that being cast out by a community is the worst possible thing that could happen to you. That in, you know, in hunter-gatherer primitive sort of societies, it would mean that you died. So being yeah. rejected by your peers is, a, is literally a life or death matter. And this is why shame feels so fucking overwhelming. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. But, but that we've, you know, like a lot of our primitive instincts, we're now applying it to the wrong shit. That it used <laughs> to be about pulling your weight and serving your community, um, and now it's about, you know, not fucking on the first date, which maybe is not, maybe that's not relevant, like you said. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying about being kicked out of your tribe or out of your community. Mm. That element of the human condition is alive and well. I mean, we have Twitter and Facebook just to make sure that we keep on doing that to each other. It's horrible. Well, this is um, what cancel culture is for, right? Like this is, yeah. we've been doing this forever in many different ways. Yes. And if you're thinking about having some sex, let's say some unusual sex or having sex with someone that society thinks you shouldn't be having sex with, um, then when the thing you are risking is being kicked out of your community of friends or your family or your people, um, it's a strong motivating force. Um, again, yeah. like it's like it's horrible. Like if there is behaviour change that um, a community is wanting to have happen, there are a million better ways to achieve it than shame. But shame seems to be the one that uh, we've evolved over the millennia. Kind of like our default. Again, shame is the default societal position to try and get people to do what we want them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so when we co-opt that mechanism to um, keep people in line, oh, yeah, yeah, horrible. And it sort of explains why this feels so full on because I like we haven't really talked about, I haven't talked about what shame feels like for me, but I'm feeling it now even talking about it and it's like this... Did you know you can now take some of our workshops online anytime you want in the privacy of your own home from anywhere in the world? We here at Curious Creatures have been, quote, nearly ready, unquote, 
to offer pre-recorded workshops for about five years, but it was the pandemic that gave us that little extra bit of motivation we needed. So as from October 2020, we've got three of our workshops available, with more to follow soon. The first is Fun Little Sex Games for Couples, which is a whole bunch of individual activities designed to get you more of exactly the type of touch and play that you like. The other two workshops are Pleasuring the Penis and Pleasuring the Vulva. The titles here pretty accurately describe the workshops. They are the very hands-on skills that everyone should receive, but almost no one does. Tess, the presenter, takes you through 18 different ways to pleasure the genitals. Coming soon, and perhaps by the time you hear this, we will have a workshop on self-pleasure, a workshop on pleasuring the anus, one on our psychological workshops on conflict resolution, and a huge how-to workshop on non-monogamy. You can check them all out at curiouscreatures.biz under the heading Pre-Recorded Workshops. And now back to the podcast. It's a really overwhelming, for me, a really overwhelming emotion. So feeling happy or sad or whatever, that's a thing. But for shame comes up from a place that feels really deep. It feels like it's coming right up from my stomach and it feels like it's taking over my whole body. And then I, I sort of go all hot on the skin and I feel like I'm flushing or I get the shakes. Like it's a really overwhelming sort of emotion. Mm, it's yeah. not like having a momentary sort of twinge of sadness. It's a whole body experience for me often. Mm, and, and maybe wow. that explains why this whole I'm about to die thing, you know, uh, that sort of primitive I've been cast out and I'm about to kick the bucket. Maybe that's maybe that's why. Does that sound legit? I just made that up on the spot. Um, it makes sense to me. I'm no expert on this. Uh, all I can speak for is myself, which is to say everything you've just said matches with me. When I mm. feel shamed about something, I have the same response, that hot, flush and that cringiness I, I there's a temptation to sort of almost like claw my own skin off because I'm oh, hating myself so much the stomach and, churning yeah and just anything to get away from that thought or that situation and thank god it normally passes fairly quickly but it's not pleasant oh it doesn't always pass quickly for me I've had <laughs> nights where I've lain in bed just sort of in fetal position just like feeling like a basically a giant lump of shit I'm so glad I can swear on this podcast and it's just like this overwhelming thing and it's just there and it's it feels like it's taken over and sometimes that can be as small a thing as I went on a date and I accidentally said something stupid and then that's it it's off you know it's it's someone someone needs to come to you in those moments and apologize I don't know whether it's the church I don't know anything about your the way you were brought up or your school Mm. or whatever else but that is horrible you, you deserve an apology. That is not a fair, just or right way to... Uh. It's out of proportion. And this is the problem, yeah. like you said, we're applying shame to things we shouldn't. This, especially when it comes to sex, the feeling of shame that I have compared to what I actually did is so out of proportion. And there's no one stepping and go, hang on a second, let's just do a reality check here. Like you do yeah. not need yeah. to feel bad because the condom broke. You do not need yeah. to feel bad because... It, you know, whatever, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not in proportion to the little incident that happened. It is in proportion to the 40 years or whatever of um, shit that came before it. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> that makes mm. sense. Mm. Yep, that, that makes sense. So I guess the next question for you, and here's the big one, in proportion to the almost 40 years of shame that I am <laughs> probably carrying, 
what do we do about this, Roger? <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, I have a couple of ideas. So like, like we've discussed that what tends to happen is our sexuality shuts down in response to it. So loss of arousal, loss of orgasmic potential, loss of attraction to others, wah, 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 wah. Mm. Um, even if we particularly love something, uh, why am I thinking about something like, say, anal sex? Um, yes. May, maybe used to be a good example of something that someone loved. They asked a partner if they'd be into anal sex. Uh, the, the partner had a bad and strong shaming reaction. And so that You're person gross, originally whatever. had, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Anal sex is gross. Um, um, that person was just like, me. yeah, yeah, but um, bury that down and never ask about it again. And if you ask <gasps> them if they're interested, they'll probably go, nah, 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 that's nah. No, gross. Um, So to fix that stuff, um, I think in terms of particularly in a intimate close relationship context, you need lots of worship. I kid you not, like lots of moments Mm. of just like worshipping and adoring and appreciating each other's bodies. Validation. Validation, adoring and appreciating um, each other's interests in sexuality and the offers and requests and desires and fantasies and fetishes Mm. that we have. It's reprogramming, Um, Roger. And I do this to people. I do this to people on first dates. Like if I see an opportunity to validate someone in something they're into, if they're like, oh, I'm into this thing that's probably fucked up, I'm like, no, man, heaps of people are into that. Like that's totally cool or, you know, it's awesome to be into whatever you're into and just take that opportunity to drive it home. If you see that little shame reaction, just to squash it. And, and the language you use around that to do that is so important. Like oh, some, God, sometimes, yes. sometimes people say, ah, oh, no, nah, nah, just like, you know, if you're not into something, just say no. Um, what you've got to remember is that if someone's already carrying around a bit of shame, if you don't handle that well, then you just wind up adding to that shame. So maybe some people will be familiar with the idea of the shit sandwich. Um, let's take the example mm. of, say, anal sex. Say someone's asked me for anal sex uh, and I'm uh, not into it for whatever reason. Uh, the shit sandwich would look something like, well, thank you so much for making that request. I love that you feel free to just make those requests with me and it's a great request. Um, I don't think I'm into it just in this particular moment. I don't think that's right for me. Um, but I don't know, maybe there's something else we can do. Uh, but I just want to say again, I, I really like that request. And I also know mm. that so many other people are into that. Um, yes. So many people are into that. So, yeah, that's really cool. Thanks thanks for the That's offer. my favourite call. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah cool that's my favorite thing to say when people say hey do you want to do x and i'm not into it i'm like the particularly at work too particularly with clients that's what clients um and they're like oh do you do this thing and i never say no i don't do this thing i always say Mm. hey i'm actually not into that thing but keep asking other people because there are lots of people who do that thing you're going to find someone who's into it for sure I love it. It's so good the way, like, like I'm just listening to the way you say it. You're normalizing it, but by the fact that everyone else is into it, it's like the opposite of shame because shame is normally like, oh my God, everyone is against this and you are a freak. So when you deliver a message, which is like, yeah, no, everyone's, a lot of people are up for this. That, yeah, that's a yeah. really good an- not antidote. Not me, but lots <laughs> yeah. of people. And I, not, I'm not, kind not of me, curious. Not me, now, but yeah. Like when we do have a bad reaction, like if someone does say, do you want to try anal? And we go, no, that's disgusting. It's like they're then they have to deal with their shame and then we're 
like you talked about the vicious circle, I guess. So, the, you know, uh, having being able to go, hey, like I'm not really into that, but it's cool to ask, that actually demonstrates that you're managing your own shame as well, you know, yeah, whereas it's when yeah, it we does. feel ashamed that we need to go, why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with you? And get super defensive. So it's kind of like yeah. we all have to get our shame under che- in check if we want to treat each other compassionately. It's hard yeah, to talk the the low-key sort of thanks but no thanks thing if you feel ashamed about being asked. Yeah, it really is. It's true. You have to have done your own inner work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, if you don't do that uh, and you don't handle those conversations well or you don't respond to someone's offer well, then the offers will just stop arriving. Uh, that, that person will learn that you're not a good person to make offers to uh, and yeah. then your, your entire sex life will just become very um, patterned like in, in, if it's there at all, it'll just become the same thing sort of over and over. No one's no one's safe to take uh, risks anymore. No, so no think, risks, no safety, yep. Yeah, so like I think creating safety is a huge part of the um, solution and I think you do need to sort of um, bring some clarity and some communication and some structure and some proactivity into your sex life. It's much easier to create. Yeah, make an effort. It's much easier to create safety when you're sitting down specifically to try some stuff out, like the two-minute game or how could this touch be more perfect or some of those other games which maybe we should talk more about. But you actually need to like create those spaces. It's much easier than just, you know, if you have sex sort of, you know, as the last thing you do when you get into bed together and whatever else and Mm -hmm. things just unfold the way they normally unfold. And there's no sort of negotiation or it's poorly negotiated because you're in the middle of stuff. And I was actually yeah. talking about the two-minute game in my last podcast episode with Tess <laughs> I t- I Curious t- Creatures. <laughs> I talk about <laughs> it in almost every one of my episodes. Man, so I bring it up with my friends all the time. They are so thoroughly sick of it because every time they tell me about a relationship problem they're having, I'm like, oh, you should do the two-minute game. That'll fix that. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, too. fuck off because I've said it me so too. many times. <laughs> Basically, in case you missed the last episode, the two-minute game is a turn-based game where, where everyone takes turns asking for something just for two minutes. So it's sort of like it's sex lab. You can ask for a weird thing. You can say, can you can you gently poke my right butt cheek for two minutes? Like, you know, and, and it's, it's sort of like you've given people permission to ask for unusual things rather than yeah. just trying to follow the script and really hoping that you don't accidentally look like a weirdo, which is kind of like I feel like that's how we do sex normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think what happens when people play the two-minute game is initially they often start out quite cautious and standard just with the things that they already know are like safe and accepted within that relationship. But as safety and trust builds, people get more adventurous and start coming up with some really beautifully creative, weird shit. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. How can we have running. more fun? When we feel safe, we can ask for weird stuff or we can ask for the stuff we really want. But there's no way you're going to ask that of someone that you think is going to turn around and go, why the fuck would you ask for that, you fucking weirdo? Like we need need that support. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think like um, doing, like having some time to, uh, like this is, you know, probably a pretty full on therapy and it's not for everyone, but having a time to sit down and say, let's just like do a little show and tell of our bodies, of a part of our body that we don't like and just talk about why we don't like it. And uh, then maybe like what you do from there is just like appreciate the fact that someone's sharing it. You don't actually need to do much more than that because just sharing and admitting that sort of stuff tends to break the spine of it somewhat. (gasps) But maybe it would be appropriate to just like place a hand on that body part for a little while and just be very uh, aware and attentive to what's going on. Or maybe if the 
partner that's holding space or observing this is in a position to move into a little bit of worship or appreciation, um, that's that's really good countermeasure to shame. I love doing this to people too, and mostly I love doing it because I'm an <laughs> asshole and I like seeing them look uncomfortable. But if I work out that someone I'm shagging as a body part that they particularly don't like or they're uncomfortable with, I'll just be sneaking up all the time and being like, I fucking love your ass. Yeah. So awesome. Or I fucking yeah. love your left, the scar on your left ankle or whatever. But yeah. what I'm hearing from you, because I, I like seeing them look uncomfortable and maybe that's not a very uh, chivalrous thing to do. What I'm hearing from you is that we need to sort of go at our own pace. That's fine. You can't have someone love bombing you with affirmations and expecting to fix it, but maybe we need to, it's going to be too hard. We need to go slowly and we need to unshame ourselves gradually. We can't just, you know, go for broke because it does feel weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And maybe like a way to approach that um, would be something like, uh, I know I've said this exact line to someone in the past, What like when I was sort of looking at their face, I said, hey, um, I've got something which is almost like a fetish for stretch marks and I've noticed that you have some. I wonder, like, would it be okay if I just really admired and appreciated them? Uh, I don't love need to, it. like it's fine, like don't feel like we need to go there, but I just wanted to put that out there. And, to give um, them the opportunity to say yes yeah. when they're ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking love it. Can I ask you a personal thing? And this is, um, you know, because we've been talking about a lot of negative stuff and it's it's quite grim sometimes, but, like, you've you put a lot of work into this stuff, right, to shame just personally, your own personal a bit. stuff. A bit. And what's life like for you now? What's the good? What's some of the good stuff that comes from getting in the cold water, like, and getting through the uncomfortable stuff? Like, what's what's it like? Oh, I love it. Um, well, I feel like at a certain point in time back there where I had done some work on my internalized shame and was moving into a, more of a sex positive relationship with myself. Also at about that time, I started attracting people who were also able to share in a kind of a sex positive <sighs> attitude. So I didn't <sighs> have partners or lovers around me who were just going to keep holding me back to old patterns. Wow. So, I feel like I, I now have a level of just safety and joy and bliss and abundance when I'm hanging out with a partner. Uh, mm. I'm thinking about um, like just uh, there's just like an openness and a, and a freedom. Ah. Mm. Being it's yourself. A one, it's a hard one to find words for. Yes, it's that sense of being yourself uh, and there's something about that that just feels so damned comfortable. Uh, Letting like your guard just, down a bit rather than always yes. having to worry that someone's going to turn around any second and judge you for something you've said or done. And this applies to regular friendships outside of sex, but it really yeah. applies to sex because yeah. we just, yeah. we can't enjoy ourselves if we're not just going with what feels good in the moment. But if you're always second guessing going, oh, but then if I touch them there, they might think I'm weird. Like it just completely derails that, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And when when you're with someone who you have that level of uh, comfort and freedom to be just yourself and be vulnerable, it also means that um, oh, like being able to share that space with someone else in itself is just amazing. Like the rush of happy chemicals that comes from it is, is gorgeous. Mm. Then there's the freedom to just pursue things that you're interested in in a really unloaded, um, uncomplicated way, like the way you handle requests um, with mm -hmm. each other. 
Uh, and, and rejection too. And re- yeah, totally. Like if you ask for something and you're rejected, not taking it personally and not feeling ashamed because it's okay for someone to say no and they're not telling you that you're a bad person for asking Yeah, like it's, it's not loaded, whatever. yes. And then mm. let's say you get into an act of sexual congress with each other, whatever that might happen to mm, be. Sexual if, congress. Oh, doesn't that sound nice? Um <laughs> If you are free of shame, if you're both free from shame and if you've got no chatter in the back of your head of like, oh God, is this partner judging me for like the amount of noise I'm making or for how much I'm enjoying this or anything like that, then you can drop into your sexuality and your pleasure and your body in a way that's not possible if you're dealing with that background chatter. So orgasmic potential and arousal and oh my God, it all just, yeah, it all goes through Yes, And what I'm hearing from you too is actually just being attracted to and meeting better people. And that this is true for emotional intelligence too. Like the more I've worked on my emotional intelligence, the more I find myself attracted to good people that have emotional intelligence that are good to be around. And I think the same is true for shame, that the less ashamed I am, the more I'm attracted to people who've sorted that shit out too, who are well-balanced and have a healthy attitude around sex. Bingo. And I feel like that's been so strongly observed in the psychology movement of like you you work on aspects of yourself and suddenly that old crew that you used to run with, you know, some of them are perfect and some of them you need to let go of because they're not actually supporting yeah. that new new version of you. I'm sorry, this sounds like a like a ridiculous self-help coaching inspo. course. <laughs> inspo. Inspo 2020. I'm going to tweet some of this shit. It's going to be great. Coming live to a convention center near you, you. You, you. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but it does explain. <laughs> it's true. It does explain why we started out talking so much about counselling, which I wasn't expecting in this conversation because mm. it starts with inner work and working on yourself and for God's sake, people, get a counsellor. Yeah, because this <laughs> shit is hard to do by yourself. Sometimes it's very strong and very deep and sometimes to be safe as we explore this, we need a, a good sex-positive professional, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 And I guess like um, I'm a bit biased because I am a counsellor, uh, but it's not the only way to go about things. Uh, some people learn from books. Some people learn from workshops. Some people will learn from listening to podcasts. Yes, listener, you're not alone in doing that. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, get a counsellor. <laughs> Would this be a good time to mention that on your website, curiouscreatures.biz, you have a resource list of sex positive counsellors and therapists in Australia? This would be a time to mention that. So they are a bunch of people, not just Australia. Um, there's a couple there from around the world. And so wow. they are counsellors who I personally have checked out and I know them to be across the issues that we've been talking about today. Yes. Yeah. And it's always nice to know because you do have to do that little bit of work to make sure that the person you're seeing is sex positive because um, some people aren't and you just you need to find the right person. So yeah. it's worth, um, yeah, if you can start off well then that's excellent. And would you mind telling us about some of the other stuff you do and where we can find you? Because I feel like a lot of your material is also really helpful around this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I run a whole bunch of workshops, um, but there's one in particular which is just so uh, directly targeted at the conversation we've been having today, and that's fun little sex games. And yep. I, um, in my mind, I was originally going to call that therapeutic little sex games because it's a bunch of defined, relatively short activities that you do with a partner who you're comfortable sharing some touch with. It doesn't have to be a long-term romantic partner or whatever. Um, and they are very much um, targeted at undoing the shame we have and really getting that communication mm. process and the creativity process um, out. So, yeah, Including I, the two-minute game, which features the two uh, game. heavily in that particular course, and I can highly recommend 
for everyone, including all my friends that are having relationship problems that I've already told <laughs> to give it a go. <laughs> Here's a good place to yes. learn it. Yes. And there's even some stuff in there around making offers of each other, like verbally um, and um, saying no, saying yes and handling that well. Um, yeah. And a few other things around just getting exactly the touch you want. So, really yeah, good so skills. Pretty- particularly recommend that. Um, I have a podcast called Curious Conversations About Sex. Um, and yeah, uh, otherwise, Excellent. yeah, all of my stuff can be found at uh, my website, which is curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. Fantastic. Roger, you are a national treasure. <laughs> um, blush. <laughs> Thank you so much for this um, conversation. I feel like this is just so fucking important and I just feel really grateful that you've shared both your personal experience and your incredible professional experience on this. Oh, thank you. And thank you for thank you for what you bring to it. I, I Again, I love that you're doing this conversation and your brain is so good to mash with about topics like this. Uh, so, yeah, yay, thanks. I would mash brains with you anytime. Let's do it again sometime soon. <laughs> Green. <laughs> so that was Georgie Wolf chatting with me about shame. Georgie's written a book called The Art of the Hookup. Uh, it's about getting what you want from sex with a strong focus on shorter term relationships and hookups in particular. And as I've said here before, it's like a whole sex education in a book. I really like it and recommend it. You can find it at artofthehookup.com, and that'll be in the show notes as well. Georgie's also put together a podcast of the uh, same name and exploring related themes, such as the episode you've just listened to. Uh, Obviously, if you like this, then do a search now on your podcast app for The Art of the Hookup. And finally, I'm proud to have Georgie running her workshop for us here at Curious Creatures. Uh, Yeah, again, same name. Uh, these are only in person rather than online, so none coming up straight away, but there is one scheduled in Melbourne, Australia for January 2021, and let's hope we're out of lockdown by then. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run workshops on sexuality, self-development, and relationships, and we do this online and around the world. You can find out all about us at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. The best way to stay in touch with us and find out about what we're doing is to sign up to our mailing list, uh, which you can do via our contact page. And while you're there, you might want to check out our famous consent cards. This episode was mixed by Aman Dembla. Please remember to share it with anyone you think might like it. Thanks. Thanks.